Uh, welcome in to Sweat and Bullets, a Bulletproof Fantasy Football Podcast. We have a show prepared. Drew prepared a show sheet today, uh, taking business seriously, going over uh, all of some interesting preseason nuggets, not only Baker Mayfield nuggets. Uh, yeah, how's it going? I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. Uh, I would just like to point out that you you are literally on record saying a player who wears a headband has no swag. And I just... no I, swag. I can't get behind that take. Like a guy that is fashionably confident enough to wear a headband has yeah, to have confident. Swag. No, he's because he's like a swagless individual. There's something worse than when a swagless individual tries to wear something swaggy. Have you not like, seen the the meme or the, the gif? Or I guess it's a gif, not a meme, of him like doing that dance in like the circle with all the people around, and he looks so cool. He. Like, he that's did seem swaggy. cooler in college. Like yeah, I actually yeah. thought he was he, like he a peaked in college. I get it. <laughs> yeah, because like coming out of college, I was like pretty in on Baker because I was oh he looked this like swath buckling confident oh, yeah. rebel, and then he came in the NFL and I was just like man, honestly, this guy's a dweeb. Because <laughs> <laughs> like he just doesn't. He he actually does just seem like the guy in your friend group who peaked in college, where it was like back in the day. He's this cool dude doing keg stands at all the parties. He's getting all the girls because he was the quarterback of the varsity team. And then you see him at the 10-year college anniversary, and he's just, like, kind of scruffy and haggard. And he's like, anybody want to do shots? Slam! <laughs> and you're just like, oh, Baker hasn't changed at all. Like, and you're like, what do you do, Baker? And he's like, I'm a gas station attendant, but it's cool. And you're like, oh, no. Baker. I think you said that he was a cool guy in college, and then you referred to a varsity team. And I did not play football nor go to American college, but I'm quite certain those don't mix. It's it's all the same. High school, college, whatever. He peaked I've, in his educational. I've seen the movie Varsity Blues, one of my favorite movies, and I'm pretty sure they were in high school. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Maybe he peaked in high school. No, he was cool in college. He was cool. When I mean, he did the he his his peak moment the was flag when he did was the swaggy. Flag. The flag. Yeah. The flag plant was dope. That was the best thing he ever did. Yeah. Anyways. Also, for the audio listeners, um, I tried to make like a flag plant motion, but I realized in hindsight it just looked like I was jacking off on screen for the last like <laughs> thirty seconds, just going like this. <laughs> but uh, that was a flag plant motion for the video. Watching. It was a flag plant. Everybody knows it. Okay, so um, we got a yeah. couple topics. Should we dive into them? Let's dive into them. Uh, you quickly set up the first one. I'm going to grab water to beer so I stop coughing. Fair enough. So the first topic of the day, of the of the podcast, of the of this, this episode, we should actually probably name the episodes at some point, by the way. Or not name them, but like number them. Anyways, the point is, the first topic is, who is one player that has changed your mind or entrenched your belief the most in the preseason? And I, I revealed mine prior to uh, turning on the record button. And as such, it is very apparent that uh, I don't really change my mind after preseason. But I will. I will be entrenched. I am entrenched in a quarterback that is unlike anything I've ever done. This is a leap of faith unlike anything you've ever known about me. I am entrenched in one Sam Howell of all players. And I got to be honest with you, it is merely because he's actually probably good, sort of, maybe, I don't know. It's super, here's the weird thing. 
Sam Howell was like the number one prospect going into his sophomore year and his junior year. His junior year, he didn't play that bad. He didn't play that good. He was he was kind of treading water, and the NFL just completely fell out of love with him. I think it's in part because he kind of looks like Baker Mayfield, and Baker Mayfield was flaming out at that point. He uh, does look like Baker Mayfield, and he also kind of plays like Baker Mayfield. Like he's a not super athletic guy who like runs around and he's doing stuff, and he's suddenly doing, doing too much. I, I will. <laughs> is, I will he say gives me Baker vibes. I was once fooled by the. Uh, like the player profiler stat sheet thing on him, like on the yeah. homepage of his player page, it says that he ran a 507, but it does say that's a high school metric. And I didn't realize that's that at the time. Name. Oh my God, they've, they've got a new one. I just looked it up. He now runs a 473. That is a 74th percentile. What's, what's quarterback that based off of? I don't know. They just it doesn't pull, say. Like, they just pull stats out of their ass these days. Like what's, what, what's why is he run a four seven three? Like, I have no idea. But I have no reason that? to. I have no I, reason I to think trust he, him because it confirms my priors. But I, I don't think that he did that. Like he, to my knowledge, he did not run at the combine. Um, and I don't believe that he ran the forty at his pro day. So the only thing of which I can be certain is that on this page right now. The experts at Player Profiler are telling me that he ran a 4.73, and I refuse to believe anything else. I have blind faith in Player Profiler's integrity in terms of posting workout numbers. I note now that they have workout metrics on one tab, high school metrics on the other. It never used to be that way. And the high school metrics said he ran a 5.07, which is 7th percentile. And I was very not interested in his rushing ability. I was like, this is just a tryhard that can't move. And now he is probably faster then one Baker Mayfield, who I believe ran a four eight. So like the similarities in there, four eight four for Baker. Sam Howell's coming in at four point seven three. Dude's a stud. That actually probably moves him up the list of uh, or up a notch in. But you're my moving up on a list. You're moving up a list because of a forty time that you can't possibly say when it's from. I don't know when most of the forty times came from. I don't verify. I don't. I'm not out here verifying somebody else's work. Especially on something like forty I, times, I blindly follow. So when it confirms my priors, why would we double check it? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not moving anything, but I will say that I did not realize originally that the five oh seven was a high school time, and that just felt really erroneous uh, in hindsight. Anyways, Sam Howell ran for like eight hundred yards or something in college in his final year. He was really, really good in his. Uh, freshman and sophomore years was mediocre to poor in his uh, junior year. And now he played one game in the NFL and he was like mediocre to poor, but it was, he was a rookie. And now we're into year two of the NFL. The Washington commanders football team has announced him as the entrenched number one quarterback of the world. He's throwing to three to four fairly to possibly five fairly decent weapons, if not great. And I'm just kind of throwing caution to the wind. And part of that is in like that is in part due to his ADP, which last I checked was not real high. Where's he at now? Do you know? Um, I don't because the site isn't quite updated. Is um, as of, as nine, of three ten. weeks ago. Nine, yeah, ten, that was the ADP was as of three weeks ago. Oh, 
Wait, is that's even more updated than I have it then, I think? Because I oh yeah, nine ten. Yeah, nine ten, but that's a three week deal. I would guess it's even a little higher now. Yeah. Like I, I traded Sam Howell sure. away this morning uh for DeAndre Swift and a twenty-four second. Um and well on this ADP, DeAndre Swift is higher than nine ten. So obviously uh if that's at all indicative of his value, then his value is considerably higher than nine ten. So I guess we'll have to wait and see when uh, where his ADP ends up. But I, I think at this point I'm still buying. If we start getting up into like the round six, five, four range, then I'm I'm well, that would be nuts. Um, I'm going to start selling heavily. Pretty... <laughs> yeah, nine ten. I only see like one quarter. Well, actually, okay. So there's only one quarterback that I would prefer to Sam Howell on literally every single team. Which is Mac Jones, um, just because I'm like pretty confident that Mac Jones is going to be an NFL starter for several years, and I, I'm not even confident that Sam Howell's the starter in Week 12. Um, but well, I'm not confident I see, like, in Week 12, but I'm confident he's going to rush for yardage, and then I'm also confident he's going to pass the football to five good to really good options, and I'm not sure what more we can ask for. Um, well, we could ask for him to like hold the job of starting quarterback. I think that's important. Right. Fair. Uh, Fair. Um, and then, okay, so I'm seeing Matthew Stafford rank below him, and that's one where, like, yeah, if I'm, that's a team-dependent case. Like, yeah, if I, like, happen to just, like, have Matthew Stafford on a team that is no longer trying to contend this year, then sure. Like, why don't I just trade him for Sam Howell? He's probably close to an expiring asset. And if Howell's good, great. I have my, you know, part of my quarterback plans for the future now. And if he's not, whatever. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I just took I took a dart throw off of Matthew Stafford's expiring value. If if my team, like especially if Matthew Stafford is one of my two quarterbacks and I'm contending, uh, I would not be trading Matthew Stafford for Sam Howell because there's a pretty decent chance that after the season you now have one quarterback instead of two quarterbacks. Um, so I, I would not be taking the risk of turning Stafford into Howell or Ritter. That seems terrifying for a quarterback who I expect to score a decent amount of points this year. Um, but uh, that one's a little more team-dependent. So I, I guess I'm fine with Howell's price. I, I, I just like... still prefer Ritter straight up to Howell, and he's a little cheaper. Um, would, but they're like basically the same bet. I liked Ritter more pre-draft, and he has better draft capital. And well, they both have good weapons. I was going to say Ritter has better weapons, but they both have good weapons. It's alarming to me that you like Ritter as a prospect more than than Howell. I mean, they both like suck as prospects. That's why they were drafted in round three and round five. Yeah, but Howell once was good, and Ritter was never good. It was a, it was like a total like shift. Like. <laughs> Howell was bad for one year. I'm like not sold at all on this. Howell was like some great college guy. Like he was well thought of at some point in time, and then he wasn't anymore. His like raw college stats are pretty interesting. He was still horrendous under pressure. He played in like a fake college offense, and then the NFL like judged him harshly for all of this context by drafting him in the fifth round. Like that's why you don't just look at college stats in a vacuum and preach the great word of Chase Keenum and Bailey Zappi and. Gardner Minshew and all these other bums. We like wait for the NFL to draft them, and then usually when the NFL drafts them in round five, they suck. Like maybe Sam Howell doesn't. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure that he's bad. Um, I'm intrigued by Sam Howell. Like in best ball, I'm drafting him a lot. He goes like the last few rounds. He has good weapons. He runs around. So I'm I'm very interested. 
I, I wish that I had more Sam Howell. Like in hindsight, I definitely wish that I was just firing at him with round three picks, um, especially because I could be profiting right now. But I, I think like it's still. He still doesn't quite cost a well. Maybe he does cost a first round pick now, but at any opportunity cost less than a first round pick, I'm have no real objection to taking a shot on Sam Howell. But I think you should be taking a shot under the assumption that the most likely scenario is that he goes to zero at the end of this year. I think you just have to understand that once you like talk yourself into Sam Howell being a foundational part of your team, I, I think you're like. You're you're like uh, Wiley E. Coyote. You're like off a ledge, and there's no floor beneath you. You're just like sputtering in the air until you fall to your death. <laughs> okay, I will get on board. I I have Sam Howell on most of my teams where he's like my quarterback four. So mm-hmm. I'm like sitting there thinking like, oh man, this could be exciting. But if you are in a situation where Sam Howell is say your quarterback two, you should be terrified. That's not that's not a winning strategy. Stop it right now. Yeah. And uh, move on to someone that's safer, like a Matt Stafford. I'd be totally into that if I was trying to win. I'd, I, I mean, I would be totally fine with like having both of those guys. Where like, let's say you have one really good quarterback. Like, I don't know, name it. Name any top ten quarterback. Lamar Jackson. Great. Yeah, Lamar Jackson's your QB one. A lot of pressure. I'm, I'm totally fine with then like my QB two is like a Sam Howell, Matt Stafford platoon, and like, and it's like okay, one of these guys. Probably going to be like a mid-range QB2. If you want to stream them back and forth for matchups, you can. If they both totally flame out this year, like you only have to replace one of them next year, that's potentially doable. And, you know, you have some upside of just replacing Stafford internally with Sam Howell. That like totally makes sense to me. That's like the kind of context I'd want him. Both him and Ritter. I think that on all of my Howell and Ritter teams, with possible exception of like one team that isn't trying to win at all, all my teams that have one of those guys and is trying to win, they are either in a platoon situation with my QB2 with another QB2 option, or they're just clearly my QB3 or QB4. Yeah. It's actually interesting. I'm willing to bet that Sam Howell is a lot more expensive than Desmond Ritter at this point, and I think that's probably erroneous. Uh, I'm not really sure why that would be the case. They should be pretty close. Um. Yeah, I mean, I find them to be pretty similar just in practice. Like, um, probably like a month or six weeks ago, I had done the Dynasty Rankings podcast series with uh, Davis and Pat, and we hadn't gotten into discussion of Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter. And especially after that discussion, I came away like a lot more bullish on buying both of them at their current cost, just like... Well, one discussion that we had was really the difference between those two and Jordan Love and how insane it was, how much more Jordan Love costs when that like, is he insane. has the worst weapons, he runs the least. All of them, our base assumption should really be that they're bad. Um, and like the only, Rick, really, the only, really the only thing in Jordan Love's corner was like draft capital from three years ago. And we already know that late first draft capital does not have a whole lot of signal. Like once you get outside of the first half of the first round, you're you're already just kind of in in free for all mode. And so after that, I was you know what? Like, yeah, I'm interested in these guys. Like, you know, I, I would be willing to, especially on teams right where I have like if I have like a Derek Carr or Stafford as a QB three, like why don't I just try to trade these guys into someone with a little bit more value upside, maybe get a little asset on top. I tried to go on a buying spree. I couldn't really get any of them, either one of them. Like I got, I got Sam Howell in one spot um, where I moved 
I had the 109, uh, and I was like on the clock. So it was like a they flowers for Dalton Kincaid decision. It's a 0.7510 in premium league. So Kincaid was pretty implied. Uh, and I offered that and my 201 for a 24 first, uh, which I expect to be probably mid, but has upside to being early and Sam Hall. And that was one trade that went through where I was like, I think I'd rather have this 24 first than the 109. And 201 for Sam Howell seems totally fine to me, especially in this 2023 class. Um, so that was one that I got done, but I really struggled to get most of the other ones done. Like I tried to do a lot of like, I'll give you a 24 second and insert like insignificant young player, like Romeo Dobbs, for instance, that like, comes to mind. And that was like, no. Uh, and then, you know, I tried to do like, I'll give you Derek Carr and a third for Sam Howell and a second. And people were like, no. So I don't know. I think it, it cost that. I would never trade a first for either one of them at this point. And I think that's kind of the line that people mostly want. Yeah. I'm just looking at some Sam Howell trades right now. And it looks like uh 821. So when's that yesterday? He was traded for a second. He was traded for a first traded for Roshan Johnson in a first traded for Aaron Rodgers straight up uh, traded for McBride O'Connell in a second. And, and like it's Dwayne McBride, not Trey McBride. So, so like he's traded for a second. They trade, they trade for a second. <laughs> yeah. So like if I could trade, trade for a any... second and the loss of two roster spots. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like if I can make a trade where I'm getting him for like any second round type value, I would do it. And if I like you said, if I yeah. could get out of him for just, a first, I would. Totally I just like. That. I mean, I guess there are at least two people doing that, but. At this point, like, whoomst is doing that? Like, as many people are doing like it as they're buying for first. It's the exact same number yeah, of well, I, well, I guess that's my point, is that whomst is doing either of those things, right? Like, I just feel like like most of the Sam Howell discussions that I've had and Desmond Ritter discussions I've had is me being like, I'll give you a second. And then someone's like, I'll take a first. And then we just, like, walk away from each other. <laughs> I mean, um, it's a real-life I, I see no, I, I agree that those two people did it. Like, I'm not disputing that. It's just, I, I'm also just, I guess, criticizing those people. Like, like what I don't know. Like, <laughs> like, what's the point, right? Like, you trade Sam Howell for a second. It's like, what's the point? Like, okay, I would have gotten trading Sam Howell for a second in January, right? Where it was like, he might not even start this year, right? Like, they might sign somebody. They might trade for somebody. They might draft somebody. Like, there was a lot of, like, landmines that he's already overcome, where he could have just gone to zero before he ever plays a game for you. At this point, he's at least going to get a chance to start. So you're going to be able to start him. You're going to get points from him. And you're going to find out if he's good. Like, once you've already gotten to this point, like, just hold for two. Like, like yeah, like I'm at least holding for two. Come on. Like, you've already gotten 90% of the way to the promised land here. Okay, I got I got one for you. This one is intriguing. Uh, we'll ignore every, all the junk that's included. But Sam Howell for Damian Pierce. Uh, Pierce, which is a great easily because that's that's my pick. That's my pick for a guy I'm changing no. my mind on. There we go. There and we you go. didn't even know that. I promise the listeners, he didn't know that. I did not know that. I'm shocked. I'm shocked and appalled. I was gonna give you two options, actually, but I think we should maybe just talk about Pierce because he came up. I was gonna give you one guy that I'm more entrenched on and one guy that I changed on, and I was gonna let you pick which one. Well, so the guy know, that I'm Okay, go ahead. The guy that I'm getting more and more and more bullish on, and it's kind of similar to your pick of Sam Howell, which was like a, like a personal sleeper 
who like was drafted late and who I've always been like, I love this guy, but I also kind of know better. But now I'm just like, I don't know better. Like I just love I'm throwing guy. caution to the wind. Let's go. Um, yeah. So my guy there is Khalil Herbert. Uh, and Ooh. then my, and then my, uh, my, I'm actually changing the way I view this player is Damian Pierce. So which you one know, do you want I, me to talk about? I, you know, let, let's talk about Damian Pierce because I actually feel like I'm changing my tune a bit about Damian Pierce, but more so from a seasonal standpoint than a dynasty, like certainly from both, but I'm much more interested in seasonal than in dynasty. Cause I still don't think that he's like a terrific player per se. But I do think he's likely going to get virtually all of the touches in Houston this year, and that's pretty fun. So yeah, like I don't yeah. really know necessarily how actionable this take is. I, I guess okay, maybe the, maybe the actionability of this take is just like if you happen to already have Damian Pierce, I don't view him as a priority sell. I don't really know that I'm like going out of my way to go buy Damian Pierce just because. Like, I don't know. He's just kind of in this ambiguous range where, like, I'd still rather have a first-round pick than him. I think you probably have to give a first-round pick to get him. So it would require, like, selling someone who... It would require either catching a manager who is somehow below market on Damian Pierce despite still having them to this point, which that seems pretty unlikely, or you like are able to find some other player who's worth something similar that you have and you don't really like that player and then but the other person does with Pierce and so you just like get to make a like for like slot which I'm fine with. I guess maybe more where I'm at is like I'm certainly I'm not actively avoiding Damian Pierce. If I still have him, I'm fine keeping him. And if I'm in a trade discussion and you just like can't make the value work, but someone's like I can add Damian Pierce and then you're like, oh that would make the value work. Like, I'm fine just using him as a store of value. I think it's he's like reasonably valued. And a lot of the stake is so I've always thought that Damian Pierce was better than you did just like at football. Like I, I was a little bit more intrigued by his college profile. He had a lot of fun efficiency numbers. I was like in on Damian Pierce, like actively in, in the very first week of rookie drafts and he was still going in the mid second. And I've basically never been in again since like he then rose to the late first and I was out and I've stayed out pretty much ever since kind of until now, but I've always been out with the caveat that I like his game. Uh, I wrote him up in part four of my Hitchhiker's Guide. I did an article on him and on Cam Akers. And basically my takeaway is that you start off looking at Pierce's stats and you're like, he's fine. 0.20 rush yards over expectation per attempt. It's like pretty average. 37.3 rush over expectation percentage. That's pretty average. It's like best numbers are his tackle breaking metrics. Really good. Missed tackles fourth. Really, really strong in yards after contact per attempt. Um, and the rest of his numbers are just kind of across the board average. But you look at what he had to deal with in Houston. They were a horrendously ranked run blocking unit. They were a horrible team that had absolutely no passing game. He, Pierce was the only Texans runner who actually posted over one yard before contact per attempt. So like people were just getting swallowed in the backfield. And he had a relative success rate on his run. So it was 7.4% higher compared to his teammates, despite facing higher box rates. And you look at everything in terms of efficiency, whether you go raw yards, carry, whether you adjust for box rates, everything else. He had way, way better numbers than any other Texans running back who attempted anything in that absolute minefield. And PFF winds up giving him the 10th highest rushing grade. So they agreed, like, he's actually pretty good. I think Damian Pierce is like Chris Carson. Like, he's like a yes. running back who's like good at all of 
The little things, he doesn't really have the top gear. He's like an okay pass catcher, but he's not that special. And that's going to keep him from ever being like an elite fantasy running back. But I think he can like be in the NFL for a while and he's like good enough. And he's, he's adding some level of value for a team where a team's never going to look at him and be like, we have to replace this guy at all costs. But teams are also dumb and they might just look at this guy and be like, we can replace him if we really want to. So it kind of go either way. Um, the big thing that makes me more bullish on him for this year is when they first signed Devin Singletary, I was like, well, Singletary kind of sucks and the team never like has to play Devin Singletary, but they prioritized him. They'll probably try to play him in some kind of role. Pierce is not a great pass catcher. He was a really bad pass blocker. Singletary is also a shitty pass catcher, but he's a really good pass blocker. So that's probably where they'll play him. And then maybe he'll get some change of pace touches. Week one of the preseason comes out. Devin Singletary plays the early downs. Damian Pierce is resting, which already a good sign for Damian Pierce that they're resting him in the preseason and playing Singletary. But even more interestingly, Singletary plays all the early down snaps, subs out on third downs for Dare Agunbawale. So I'm thinking that's weird. If Singletary was going to play the third downs of Pierce, you'd think he'd be playing the third downs now. And then my question was, is this a three-back committee where it's like Pierce is a little bit of Singletary and it's Dare on third downs? Or does this just mean Pierce is the third down back and they only view Singletary as like an early down complement? Well, Pierce comes out second preseason game, he does play. And he plays all 14 snaps. He stays out and plays every single third down, which is super interesting. Sometimes that doesn't mean anything in the preseason. Sometimes they just use guys in all situations because they just want to use guys and not overcomplicate things. But again, same team where with less of their starting offense playing, so less of a dress rehearsal, they made it a point to sub Singletary off on every third down. But then they left Pierce on the field in every third down. So to me, it's like a pretty strong signal that he is their every down back. And that's pretty interesting because I think the Texans could be <coughs> not good, but like more of a competent real franchise than they were last year, going from horrendous coaching staff to a Shanahan style system, adding CJ Stroud versus Davis Mills, getting a little better on the offensive line. Um, I'm I'm interested. I think he could like grind his way to a high end RB2 finish and with a little bit of good luck be a low end RB. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I think he's going to be this year now is probably in the RB2, like RB10 to 15 range. Like He's not going to be high-end RB1 by any stretch, but he, I think he's going to just get Najee Harris-level volume, basically. And, and yeah, he'll be above Najee Harris in redraft. I actually moved him ahead because I think Pierce is better than Najee Harris, and I think Jalen Warren is going to play some snaps, but I think Devin Singletary might play like almost no snaps. Yeah, I think I honestly think Damian Pierce might be like the number one snap share running back in football this year, or darn close to it. And uh, I think that's moderately exciting. Uh, I just don't have faith that it lasts forever. I guess would be my my uh, my hindrance in dynasty. I'm like, eh, he'd be a good player for one year, but I don't want to get caught holding the bag, so somebody else can hold him. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I think I don't know if you could. You don't really usually see that many like for like running back trades. We pick on this guy all the time. But if I could swap like Rashad White and Damian Pierce have similar value, I, I think Rashad White fucking sucks. So if I could move <laughs> Rashad White for Damian Pierce and like not really have to add anything, like I, I would do that because I, I think his. Like, I, I don't think Damian Pierce is ever just going to, like, lose the role with it being his fault. I don't think he's so good that a team, like, 
can't ever just do something goofy and be like, we're going to draft a running back in round one because we want to. Like, I could see that happening, right? Like, I think Tyler Algier is pretty good, but the Falcons were just like, we think Tyler Algier is fine, but we want Bijan. And, like, Texans could do that at any moment. I, I think Rashad White can lose the job, and it will be his fault. Like, I think I think Rashad White could be so bad that the team's just like, can we try anyone else? Like, I, I could see that happening. Can we bring Peyton Barber back? We need Peyton Barber. Right. Like, I could, I could literally see, like, oh, man, I – I got I got to find this. I got to pull this up. Like I wrote about Rashad White too. Um, people find it on him. And I mean, I thought this is mostly from a seasonal lens. And my take was like, you have to tell him to see if you want to take him in round eight in seasonal drafts. It's fine, I guess. He could have a three down workhorse role. Um, but yeah, I was like, what? I wrote this section. I said, what happens in a backfield where the team sucks and all the running backs suck too? Probably one of three things. One, Rashad White takes a step up from his rookie year to be an average NFL running back with every down skill set. The Bucs have no reason to look elsewhere, and he gets fed all year to fantasy success. Think David Montgomery 2019. And this is the real kicker. Often, too, the Bucs, despondent with their lack of talent in the running back room and the harrowing alternative of letting Baker Mayfield pass, futilely rotate their backs like a depressed teen shuffling their iPod for a song until the season mercifully concludes. Think the Orleans, Darkwa, Paul Perkins, Shane Vereen, Wayne Gallman Committee of Infinite Sadness on the 2017 Giants. That's something that's, that's I see very presently in my mind. <laughs> That's that sounds pretty accurate. Yep, I'm in. I'm in for that. Look at this. Our very first podcast episode that was never released. All we did was beat up on Damian Pierce, and now we're now we're all in on Damian. Look at Pierce. us now. <laughs> Look at us. Cue cue the uh, Paul Rudd gif. GIF. Exactly. Is it a gif or GIF? I always say gif because it stands I always graphically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're halfway through the show. We've covered one of the five topics, and right. actually, you have you have a second half of this topic. No, so I, I don't need to give it. I was going to let you pick which one to talk about. Uh, I don't need. Okay. To, I, I'll just give the TLDR version. Khalil Herbert. I've always thought he was a really fun rusher. Um, like he was super efficient at Virginia Tech. So way back in the day, I was like, take him in the fourth round. He could win the backup job from Damian Williams. Why not? And then. He got in there. He was like legitimately pretty interesting as a rookie. He became really, really interesting in, in second year. Like a lot of his efficiency stuff was was near the top of the NFL. Um, and at this point, you know, I kind of came into the offseason. I was like, what do we know about Phil Herbert? We know that on somewhere between 125 to 150 touches, he can be one of the most efficient runners uh, anywhere. He's like now demonstrated that for four consecutive seasons dating back to college. Um, we also know that he's probably never going to be much of a pass catcher. He's constantly struggled in pass protection. He's never posted very impressive pass catching stats at any point. Big thing we don't know is like, can he scale up his rushing ability from that 125 to 150 carry zone to the 225 to 250 carry zone? And we still definitely don't know that, but some encouraging things is that, like coming into this, it was like, this is an ambiguous backfield. And I still think it's an ambiguous backfield season long, but it doesn't look like it's ambiguous for season for week one. Like Khalil Herbert played every snap of the starters first preseason game and then rested the second preseason game. So Foreman was playing as a clear number two and Roshan like is currently the four. I'm sure he'll work his way up the depth chart as the season goes along. But it seems like plan is week one, Khalil Herbert's the guy at least on early downs, but he was playing passing downs in the preseason too. And he housed like a 54 yard screen pass, which probably might get him to the more passing downs. Um, 
And I guess my take on Herbert is like the, the biggest obstacle for a guy like him was ever getting to this point where someone's ever like, this is your backfield, dude. Have at it. Like that just doesn't usually happen for day three undersized picks. So the fact that we're here, like I think based on what we've seen from him so far, I don't think he's going to get this opportunity and blow it. I think he's going to be really good, at least as a runner. Don't know about as a pass catcher. Um, and I'm excited for it. So I, I always viewed him like most of this offseason as a priority in best ball, but as a guy in managed formats and especially dynasty where I was just pretty hands off. But now I'm I'm a little bit more interested. Like if 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 I'm now buying a somewhat more assured early down roll with the chance of maybe adding pass catching to that, that's a lot more interesting than before, where I was like, he might get the early down roll and he definitely won't get the pass catching. So I have a question for you. AJ Dillon or Khalil Herbert in Dynasty? Um, I think I would take Khalil Herbert because I have more wait, faith wait. in his talent. Hold on. I just want to make sure that you are aware that AJ Dillon actually has standalone value. Yeah, exactly. Be- before um, you finish your take, in case you want to backtrack. Yeah, I think I would take Herbert because <laughs> I have more confidence in the player. Like, I think Dillon's fine, but I, I think Herbert might actually be really good. Um, he might not be. Like, I know he's really good at a thing. I still have no idea if he's good at, like, enough things to do it as a legit starter. Um, but Herbert can just, like, go out and just be the guy, whereas Dylan still, like, needs an Aaron Jones injury or, like, age-related crash. And so really all you're getting with Dylan, I think, is, like, draft capital pedigree. But at this point, I think Herbert's just going to keep himself in the NFL for a while with his play, and he can just be the guy. Like it's just it seems like an easier ask where week one happens and Khalil Herbert plays seventy five percent of the snaps, and you're just like, oh, he's already the dude. Like we don't need to just wait around for an injury to happen. I find it offensive that you say the only thing that AJ Dillon offers is draft capital because there's also standalone value. It's well established. <laughs> And I think you need to lean into that a little more when you're doing any type of analysis regarding AJ Dillon is the standalone value that he provides. And uh, okay. I got one more for you. And this is interesting to me because I think I'm fairly like slam dunking this one, but tank Bigsby or Khalil Herbert in dynasty. Um, Yeah, that is an interesting one. I, I think that I would take tank just from like a market perspective. Like I think without the path catching side, which is really just hopium. Like I, I don't think there's actually any evidence to suggest that Killer Herbert can add anything in the past game or even that he should be playing those snaps. Um, that he's probably never going to be worth a first and he's probably never going to score more than like 15 points per game. So there's a glass ceiling on that type of player. Uh, whereas with I think Bigsby, I mean, I still think the most likely thing is that he's just like a backup for the duration of his rookie contract. And we get to play him sometimes when Travis Etienne gets hurt. Um, like I, I am a Travis Etienne bull, but I do have confidence in the player and the market just fucking loves this guy. Like you look at how he's screaming up the boards in best ball right now, like, and how many people are willing to say that he's already better than Travis Etienne, which is insane by the way. He's like not, 
Like he's just not. He was never nearly as good of a prospect. We've now seen Travis Etienne be really good in the NFL. It's like fucking bonkers that people say that. And I say that as a person who really likes Tank Bigsby, but it's actually insane. And like it's so out of touch with reality that it drives me nuts. And it makes me almost dislike a player I really do like whose name is Tank. And that upsets me. Um, Anyway, that's Vinny rant over. With all that, with all that being said, the market is so frothy for Tank Bigsby that it's just it's way easier to picture him like being worth the first. Like, and and there's so many different avenues to it. Like Travis Etienne could just get hurt, and people like let's say he gets hurt and it's like a significant injury. Like he has like a high ankle sprain and it looks like it's going to be Tank Bigsby's backfield for four to six weeks. First of all, it's going to be Tank Bigsby's backfield. Like we just saw in the preseason game, he already was playing 27 out of 33 snaps, and he's a rookie. So uh, that was with Etienne sitting. Um, so I think he's just going to be the guy if Etienne gets hurt. That's exciting. He's the guy on the Jaguars. That's really exciting. Uh, and people would be like, yeah, he's just going to get it. He's never going to look back. He's going to take the job. I'll give you my 25 first. So that, that's exciting. And I also think he has like a lot of potential to get that kind of A.J. Dillon treatment where people are going to be pushing Travis Etienne out the door, even if there's no actual evidence of it happening. People are going to see Tank Bigsby probably post really good advanced stats. He's a pretty good player who's going to be – used pretty sparingly in a really good offense. So I think he's going to have some like artificially boosted stats on top of being probably good. And people are going to look at that. You're going to be like, next year he's taking over. He's taking over the backfield. And then the year after that, it's going to be like, it's Travis Etienne's last year. He's going to leave in free agency. It's going to be Tank Fixie's backfield. Like you're just going to get, I think, a lot of Tank Menta where, so he's just going to be kind of locked in, I think, at that mid-second value with only room to go up for the next two years where he's just going to be really insulated in a way that Herbert isn't. No, I uh, like I said, this one's a slam dunk for me. Tank Bigsby was the, I believe, one of the cheapest bulletproof running backs in, in rookie draft history, uh, which is really kind of exciting from a standpoint of he was very attainable in rookie drafts. And Super attainable. My most my most drafted rookie in the twenty twenty three class. Yeah, it was great. He, like he, I had him ranked, I think, like nine to ten rookie spots ahead of his ADP, which is pretty absurd when i didn't because i'm a reasonable person but i still had him i still drafted him more than anyone else in the class so it's hard to believe that you would under rank a guy named tank like it's hot that's a good rhyme by the way gotta yeah. say good preseason for my most drafted rookie this year with tank bixby yeah. second most drafted with luke musgrave what a preseason <laughs> look at great, great. Yeah. yeah like tank i think you nailed it tank bixby is going to be getting you know, like he's already got hype, and that's only going to continue as he's like the under, what do you call it? The, uh, oh, sh- and, and like acting the when you're like the, the, understudy. the understudy, when he's the understudy to Travis Etienne, who I think is pretty good, but I, I'm not quite as bullish on Etienne as you are, I don't think. I wouldn't be shocked if this was like a 60 40 split this year and then like a 55 45 next year. And I, I mean, I can see that. I'm not even that bullish on tra- like. Well, I'm actually really bullish on Travis Etienne at his redraft costs because I, I just think he's just like a substantially better player in a substantially better situation than we ever get to draft in the late fourth. Um, yeah, oh yeah, I like I like him. Don't get, I'm not saying I but, don't like him, uh, but I'm I'm not like even that bullish on Travis Etienne as a dynasty asset. I, I think he is like legitimately high risk, but I, I am like bullish on him as a real life player. Like I think. Some people just want to like shove him out the door, like he's just some bum, and I, and I think that's just nuts. Like I I don't think that there's any evidence to support that he's like a crappy football player. Like there's a lot of evidence directly to the contrary to support that he's a good football player. Like at 
I think the fairest thing you can say is that he's like a good but flawed football player and that that will allow Tank to get on the field and have a legitimate role. But like I think are if people are, are saying, like Tank's just going to walk in and take the job, people are losing their mind. I feel, I feel well, like Jesse just... and John Swift like have like inverse if if you could combine them they would be actually like an incredible player. But yeah. Um, I just feel people, like the people make this comp. People oh, make this comp a lot, but they're flaw and like because I guess they're high variance. Although I don't still don't think Travis Etienne's like a high variance that people think, but they they have opposite issues. Like Travis Etienne's issues mostly are that he like has ball security problems and can't really catch footballs. And Andre Swift can definitely catch footballs. Um, I, I think that people think that Travis Etienne is a bad inside runner. I don't think he actually is. Is like rush over expectation percentage was like second highest in the whole NFL. Uh, I think he's actually pretty decisive. I, I think he's like a legitimately, I think he's just a really good runner who doesn't catch passes all that well. It's just that he comes in a smaller package and people have a lot of preconceived notions about him from college. So people are projecting things on, but it's good. It's, it's a good spot for tank to be ETN's backup because what the fantasy community loves to do is they decide what they don't like about the lead back. And they project all those things on as the strengths of the other back, regardless of whether or not there's any evidence of those strengths. So whatever tra- whatever bothers people about Travis Etienne, people will think Tank Bigsby is fantastic at, which he might be and he might not be. But that that is what will be the case in people's minds. So for a running back that people love to hate, it's a good spot to be his backup. On today's episode of Sweatin' Bullets, a bulletproof fantasy football podcast, we talked about how to trim the benches of your dynasty roster. But what if I was to tell you that there's even something more precious than your dynasty bench stashes that needs a little bit of trimming? That's right, the Bulletproof Fantasy Football Podcast Network, including Sweatin' Bullets, is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped will help you trim the end of your bench so that you're in your peak performance and there's nowhere to get in more peak performance than the Performance Package 4.0. The Performance Package 4.0 is waterproof. It reduces foot odor. It includes the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to reduce nicks and cuts when you're shaving your precious end of bench. It also, of course, reduces the risk of ingrown hairs, reduces the risk of grooming accidents, but massively increases the risk that you might become extraordinarily desirable to whatever sex you wish to attract in your sexcapades. Make sure to use the Performance Package 4.0 in whatever you wish to desire as you reach out in your endeavors. And if you are going to reach out and get the Performance Package 4.0, you simply must use code BPFF, that's Bulletproof Fantasy Football, BPFF for 20% off your first order. Thank you, Manscaped, for sponsoring this show. And again, that's code BPFF for up to 20% off of your performance package 4.0. All right, well, we are 44 minutes into our one-hour show. Uh, We finished topic one. Moving on to topic 205. So we are finished 20% of the show in, four, uh, what are we at, uh, 75% of the time. Yeah. Hashtag, totally sorry, Matt. So next topic for discussion is none other than, I did a thread in the patron, in the patron's Discord today, uh, of 
super cheap buys. So these are players that are outside mm. of the top. Uh, well, I don't like see. that I have one and that you wrote a thread about him. Well, that's awkward. Uh, these are players outside of the top 20 rounds of startup ADP. So we're talking like deep, deep sleepers at this point. Guys that are like fringy roster players in some yeah. leagues. Uh, so I did a thread on those today, and I thought, what a fun topic for discussion. So I will let you go ahead because I, I am fully prepared. No, my... I, I have I have several guys to talk about, okay. um, so I won't steal yours. But if you okay. happen to not mention him, then I will mention him afterwards. How about that? All right. Okay, so my um, – what's that? No, go for it. Go for it. Okay. Oh, pardon me. Let me get ready here. So my player that I will uh, start with is – I, in fact, I named this this whole thread was bad players you must buy, basically. So bad player to purchase number one on my list is Keontae Ingram. Yeah, he is a player so who plays for, what's that? Said yes, that that that's my number one guy too. Yeah, he's outrageously undervalued right now. I've been working on this uh this thing a little bit. I don't know if I'm gonna actually publish it or not, but uh basically he's like one of, if not the cheapest direct backup running back in the world he's he's the cheapest confirmed direct backup like there's several other direct backups that are cheaper because we don't actually know who the direct backup is yeah. but of the backups who we now for sure know they're the number two and we do he played four snaps with the starters in, the, in week two of the preseason in a game that james connor played connor played 11 snaps ingram played four snaps no other running back in the cardinals played a snap with the cardinals um starters so he is the number two, and and he's definitely the cheapest confirmed number two. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like I just sometimes I, I get so confused by the pricing of backup running backs because some of them are like crazy expensive, and I'm like, you don't even know if that's the guy who's going to be the backup. You don't know what kind of role he's going to play when he, you know, if the starter goes down. You don't really know a whole bunch of things, and yet some of these guys are super expensive, and I'm just like, oh, that's crazy. And then you have a guy like this where it's like, I'm pretty confident, like a tremendous degree of confidence that he is the direct backup. And if James Conner goes down, he will be the player who takes his place. And let's not forget that James Conner has been uh, fairly or unfairly categorized as injury prone for like four straight years. He misses time almost every year, like most running backs do. And... Like, was it like three years ago when he was the Steelers starter and then got hurt? And everyone was like, oh, he can't stay yeah. healthy because he had cancer and he had chemotherapy. And now it's all over for him. And it's just crazy to me that now people don't even want his backup running back when pretty much every analyst in the world is like, hey, you know what a great way to win your fantasy football league is? To have the damn contingent upside. This is a player with contingent upside. He's like, Six foot, two hundred and fifteen pounds, or somewhere thereabouts, if I recall correctly. Six two twenty one. Okay, even better. He runs like a four five something or other, which runs is a four five nine, which is fine at two hundred and twenty one pounds. Yeah, yeah. Eightieth percentile burst score as well. Excellent burst score. And then we have like he wasn't like a big pass catcher in college, but he did not catch passes in college. He's about a fiftieth percentile yeah. target share player. Uh, which was he has three fine. he has three seasons over twenty catches, and he always played with really talented teammates, uh, and is six point five percent market share receiving yards, which is totally fine, totally yeah. fine. Yeah, he's just totally fine, and yet he's going outside the top twenty rounds, and it's completely unreasonable. 
we have Kyler Murray who is out right now, and that's that's fine because Colt McCoy is the you know presumed starter, and Colt McCoy is one. Uh, what would be the word I'm looking for? He is definitely somebody who does not want to test the defense <laughs> deep. This he's next somebody- hit is his last, so he's checking that ball down. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, if he's currently James- hosting a show for the Underdog Fantasy Network, so that's where his priorities are at. <laughs> if James Conner were to get injured early in the season, we would have Colt McCoy. If James Conner does not get hurt early in the season and gets hurt late in the season, we have a Kyler Murray offense. Both of these are appealing to me. Uh, and it's actually strange to me. Kyler Murray seems to throw the ball to running backs at a fairly reasonable throw for a running lot. quarterback. I'm, I'm curious if that is a staple of the Cliff genius or if that is a Kyler Murray thing. It certainly wasn't in college. I kind of feel like it might be a Cliff thing because he would like to throw thing. it underneath. I think it's kind of a cliff thing. Like, I think he just designs ropes so shitty that no one's open, so they have to throw to running backs. Plus, it's just the whole thing is designed to, like, get the ball out. Yeah. Interesting guy, that cliff fella. So, at the end of the day, we have the, you know, efficiency boost from rushing from Kyler Murray and or possibly still some running back targets and or some running back targets from noted deep ball specialist Colt McCoy. And I just – it's like the other guys in the in the – other guys in the depth chart are like Corey Clement, who is definitely not it, and Tyson Williams. He's playing Mary- half his snaps at fullback in the preseason, by the way, Corey Clement. Corey Clement is? Yeah, he's splitting time between running back and fullback. That makes a lot of sense because most offenses feature fullbacks heavily. So I like that for him. Love that for him. So it's just, I don't know. There's just no reason not to be way overweight on Keontae Ingram should basically be your most rostered player because he's basically free and has tremendous contingent upside. And uh, yeah, that's, that's my dude. Yeah, totally agree. I'll even add a little bit more. I wrote up Keontae Ingram. Um, I did the Bucks and the Cardinals backfield in my most recent uh, Hitchhiker's Guide post. Uh, and yeah, here's what I had to say on Ingram. Um, Ingram played with a high caliber teammate throughout his college career. and was consistently more efficient per carry than the average of his backfields. His best attribute for Noah Hills was converting chunk gains, posting a chunk rate, which is percentage of carries gaining 10 yards or more in the 79th percentile for his career and 97th percentile in his final year. Um, he's a guy who does what coaches want. He's a guy who gets what's blocked. He never was a big, big play runner, but he was consistently efficient overall, and he was consistently efficient at gaining positive yardage and getting those intermediate gains and was always totally fine out of the backfield and as a receiver. So, that's kind of exactly what I like to target for late round running backs. It's just guys where if things happen in front of them where they get on the field, they're not going to give the coaches an obvious reason why they have to be taken off the field. They may not ever be so impressive that they get their own backfield, but if James Conner goes down for a month and Keontae Ingram gets the shot, I don't think he's going to fuck it up so badly that they're like, we got to get anybody else. Like I think he's just going to get what's blocked and catch the balls come his way and be totally adequate. And Drew was talking about James Conner getting injured. I mean, I think there's like even more upside here where, I mean, this team is projected by Vegas to be the worst in the NFL by a lot. They're not favored to win a single game this entire season. They have the lowest win total in the league. Uh, who knows if Kyler Murray even plays at any point this year. It's also not like Cliff Kingsbury coaching for his job, running out James Conner you know, for 100% of the snaps in the last game of the season anymore. It's a brand new coaching staff. 
I guarantee you James Conner will not be on the Cardinals whenever they are good again. So if Keanu Ingram shows them anything, like I just don't see what incentive this team has at potentially like two and 13 to just keep rolling out a 28 year old James Conner um, at all. Like it just doesn't make any sense to me. So I, I feel like if any running back is going to be like ruled out in week 16 with general soreness, James Conner is top on the list for, <laughs> for that one. So, general soreness. Love that. I, I just think like, I, I just see a scenario where like if Ingram, if Ingram shows the staff that he's a player that they want to get to know a little bit better, they're going to get to know him a little bit better. There's just no incentive to play James Conner in a lost cause season. So I, I think he has a lot of contingent value that, can come through like a kind of sort of injury. I don't even think it has to come through a, I just broke my leg or they just do kind of what the Bucks did last year where they were just like, you know, Leonard Fournette's clearly dust. We're not going to, you know, take him off the field, but we'll just give the other guy every second drive. Cause we'll, we'll just see what he has. Like, I, I see that as a pretty viable scenario and there's no other young guy. That's the thing. Like it'd be one thing if it was like they have Ingram and then they also just drafted someone in round six and you're like, who knows? But there's nobody else. It's like the only other young guy in this backfield is this UDFA Amari Di Mercado, who is Kendra Miller's backup at TCU, and I don't think there's like anything remotely interesting about him. So, well, he played in the national championship game. That's true. So, and they lost that game after winning all their other games because Kendra Miller got hurt. So that's clearly Amari Di Mercado's fault. If they had Kendra Miller, they would have won. So losing by like Oof. 55. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he was the he was the cause of the fifty five point loss. That's rough. That is rough. Considering running backs don't matter, and then to have one matter that much, <laughs> that, that is a lot. Yeah. yeah, that is that is really really bad. Okay, so who's your guy? Your your deepest deepest darkest uh, buy. Your deepest darkest stash. Okay, I'm gonna I'm you gonna anger. I'm the best one. I'm going to cheat and I'm going to pick two, but I'm just going to call it the Bengals backup running back because I don't know who it is. But by all reports, it's not Chase Brown. By all reports, he is a distant fourth on the depth chart. And he's been sort of the presumed backup since he got drafted in day three. Then you have to remember about the Bengals. They draft a day three running back every single year, and they are never the backup in their first year. They're usually not even the backup in their second year. Like they've been, They have been teasing the fantasy community with day three running back picks for a half a decade, the entirety of Joe Mixon's career, they keep drafting day three running backs. They drafted uh, Maji Pirine, or well, they, they didn't draft him. They signed him and immediately installed him above other people. They drafted Rodney Anderson, though. They drafted Travion Williams. Keep that name in mind. They drafted Chris Evans. They then drafted Chase Brown. And, yeah, Chase, Chase Brown sounds like he's not in the mix with number two role. It sounds like it was Travion Williams who was in the lead coming into the offseason. And that's interesting. Because Trayvon Williams, as far as pretty like almost certainly bad players go, because they're drafted in round six, Trayvon Williams was a really interesting prospect. He was Eno Benjamin before people started looking at cool stats. He was a three-year player at Texas A&M who had 19 catches as a freshman, 20 as a sophomore, and 27 on 39 targets. Um, as a senior, that's an 8.8, .8, or as a junior, sorry, in his last year, that's an 8.8% .8 target share, which is pretty good, especially for a junior. In that season, he had 19 total touchdowns and 760 rushing yards to complement 278 receiving yards. So as a 20-year-old, he handled 
a total of 298 total touches, had over 2,000 total yards and 19 touchdowns. Like, he was just an insanely productive college back in the SEC. 5'8", So he's undersized, but he's not, like, insanely undersized. He's basically Clyde Edwards-Hilaire size. And then ever since then, he's just toiled on the Bengals' death chart, doing nothing. And nonetheless, after his rookie contract expires and the Bengals never using him, they immediately re-signed him to come back this year. They talked him up. They said he's going to be our Samaj P. Ryan this year. Um, he ends up getting a low ankle sprain. He's supposed to return to practice this week. In the meantime, Chris Evans has really flashed. Uh, in the preseason, they've been giving him the number two reps, and they now think he's a slight favorite over Travion, but this is the battle. We'll probably go to the rest of camp. The good news is uh, Travion is like on waivers in several leagues, and if not on waivers, you can probably get him kicked into any trade you want to do, like basically for nothing. Chris Evans is still on waivers, also in a ton of leagues, and same deal. If he's not on waivers, I'm sure you can get him kicked in. I would just try to roster both on every single um, team. <laughs> Best thing is, I think you're going to get information fast. Minkles never want to use Joe Mixon on third downs. So I think odds are, whichever one of these running backs is the one playing the third down snaps in week one, that's probably the backup. Um, and then if you want to cut the other one, you can cut the other one. But I think that Joe Mixon is like old. He's not very good. He is on trial for multiple different situations. So I think he's still like, at, even though he was found not guilty of one, he might have a league meeting. He has another issue coming up. I think it's just best to consider him at perpetual legal risk. Um, and the Bengals are an absolute goldmine. We saw this with Samaj P. Ryan last year. Joe Mixon missed two weeks. Samaj P. Ryan scored like 20 points per game. Um, Joe Burrow loves throwing to his running backs. They score a ton of points. Um, they love using running backs near the goal line. And yeah, I think if you get either one of these guys, you have a pretty reasonable shot of getting like a 15 to 20 point per game producer for a few games if Joe Mixon misses time. So the I want to bring you back to the 2019 draft offseason, like the like rookie drafts or sorry, uh, NFL draft season before the NFL draft. I was going through my stuff. I have a high stakes playing partner co-manager named Ryan. And uh, I was going through kind of like my preliminary look at all the players. I was like, holy smoke, like who's this Travion Williams guy? Like he looks great. <laughs> and Ryan, a, a film grinder, if you will, is like Oh, I'm gonna check him out. I'm gonna, like, you, you like him? I was like, yeah, well, I think so, maybe. And he's like, I'm gonna check him out. I was like, okay, let me know. And then, like, the next day, he reports back. He's like, yeah, you're not gonna watch him. <laughs> he looks terrible <laughs> on film. I was like, okay, God. noted. And then he went in round six, and uh, and here we are <laughs> with Trevion Williams. Uh, still, like, he his profile's like fun. If you if you're if you're looking at rookie profiles and, and counting stats and and things of that nature, it's a lot of fun. So yeah, I, in I, five I, years, this is the conversation we're gonna have about Evan Hall. Yeah, exactly. This is exactly the conversation we're gonna have about Evan Hall. Uh, but yeah, it was it's funny. It uh, brought back memories of of the old twenty nineteen. Uh, you know, it would have been I don't know February probably in twenty nineteen. That's funny. Just yeah. So to be to guy, be clear. Never heard like, of this I guy. Don't, to be clear, like when I bring up all these counting stats about Trevion Williams, like I, I'm, I'm not trying to say that he's like secretly good and the NFL's been wrong all along. Like I, I don't think that's the case. No, no. But it's kind of the same thing that I said about Evan Hall um, before. I can't remember if he was on here or if he was in the Discord. But like when you get a guy with that kind of profile, just what it tells me is like I, I they can handle a load and they can kind of do a little bit of everything enough where like for a very short window in time, 
I think he can play a 75% snap share. Like that's the best thing that it signals to me is like, if this, if this guy happens to be the number two, that's why I'm kind of rooting for him. Cause I don't think Chris Evans is that. I think Chris Evans is just too small and kind of a speed back. And then they might just do some kind of committee. But I think if Travion Williams is the guy and then Joe Mixon gets hurt, I think he could just be the guy and, and not be impressive or, or not like add any value. But I, I don't see a reason why you couldn't just have like 17 carries and six targets in a game and you're absolutely jacked. Well, that's that's exactly it, though. Like when we're looking at this contingent upside for like a two or three game stretch, we don't really want like the two down grinder. Like that's a low ceiling uh, contingent upside. Whereas someone like Travion Williams, he has a high ceiling contingent upside. He could be the three down back for those two or three games if, if called upon. And I think that's kind of where I was going with uh, the counting stats look great. And like, he's got an interesting yeah, profile. Absolutely. He's fast enough. Like he ran a four, four, five, one, four, five, totally one, fine. 40 yard dash at the combine. I mean, sure. That was four years ago, but like he was fast at one point or at least fast for fast ish. I guess you could say it's fine. Yeah, totally fine. He Like he's not, he's not a liability when it comes to like speed. Like right. He's not, he's not running in molasses. So anyways, moral of the story is I love it. Uh, I'm totally into a Travion Williams dart throw. What round is he? Is he even being drafted? He must be being drafted. Oh god! I mean, being drafted by me. I'm. I'm like the. You're the guy. I was like, I was like actually like depressed when he hurt his ankle. Like I, I, he's like I think think he's my most rostered player in Dynasty right now. But I'm 26. Yeah, uh, but I've hedged with Chris Evans. Like I, I have 17 shares of Travion Williams, but I'm up to 14 Chris Evans shares. So I've, I've hedged my way out. Uh, I, I did the exact same thing with the Dallas backs. I added Malik Davis everywhere, and then I was like, oh, I might have the wrong guy, and now I've added Rico Dowdle in even more leagues than I have Malik Davis. Um, I, I I chose the Bengals, even though the Cowboys like the exact same situation, because I should know more about Rico Dowdle because I've now added him in like 30% of my dynasty leagues. I still couldn't tell you the first thing about him. Like He has a really goofy name, and apparently he's winning the the RB2 job. Um, I've just never taken Rico Dowdle seriously. Like, I think he came into the league before I, either he came in before I started doing prospecting seriously, or I just never took him seriously. Um, he came in in 2020 as a UDFA. So a little bit of both, I guess. Like I wasn't quite as into it in 2020. And I also just didn't care about Rico Dowdle, but um, yeah, never a high volume college player. So not like as interesting as Travion, his career high in rush attempts was in his very first season uh, with 133. It's not usually good if you get 133 rush attempts as a freshman and then they never want to give you that many rush attempts again. It's usually a bad sign. Um, <laughs> um, he did, did work his way up to a 6.4% target share. I don't know. I It would be literally stunning to me if Rico Dowdle was any good. But the fun thing about the Dallas running back is that they have a lot of running back touches available because they use the running back a lot. And even as the world's biggest Tony Pollard stand, like we talked about this on a previous show, like I, I don't think he's going to get 350 touches. So I, I still think that even, even in the world where uh, Pollard doesn't get hurt, I think there's like a pretty decent chance that there's another Dallas running back that's getting close to 10 touches per game. It's not going to be Deuce Vaughn. Like stop it with the Deuce Vaughn stuff. I'm going to spawn he looks like darren sproles Deuce, up there. 
Juice Bond is getting drafted ahead of Kendra Miller on uh, in best ball right now, and it's driving me insane. Like he's 170 pounds. Stop it. I'm, I, he, he's really cute, and, and I appreciate that. Like it's, I've always wondered what it would be like if Toad played in the NFL. But <laughs> oh, good stuff. Yeah, Deuce you, you're not part of the Deuce Bond Truther squad, right? Because people are out there like. Like at first, I thought it was a joke because I went to Europe and some people were like, "Oh, Deuce Vaughn, like isn't isn't that cute?" And then he now he has like a real ADP, which suggests that people think that he's like a real boy. Yeah, I, I don't get it. He's he's like we think Devin A. Chain might be too small. We think Jameer Gibson, Deuce Vaughn is like a whole other level of small. Like he's, I think he's even smaller than Tariq Cohen. Yeah, he's he's he's. I think he is small on Terry. He's five foot five, dude. He's five foot yeah. five. He's five foot five, and he ran a four six one. Yeah, that brings me back. Like, brings back memories of the the. Uh, oh, what the hell is the guy's name? Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary. You can't you? You can be big or you can be small. You can be <laughs> slow. You cannot catch passes. You cannot be a workhorse. You cannot be drafted early, but you can't be all well, five. Well, in fairness, Deuce Vaughn was a workhorse, uh, so he yeah. had that backbone for him. He was an absolute horse at college. All right, fair. He he was a a like uh, Shetland pony, more so than a workhorse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, um, we are out our time for today. Should we save the rest for the the next time, or you want to go further? We only do one-hour shows now? Since when? Well, that's Matt's rules. Are these now being enforced? I don't know. I, I don't make the rules. Matt does. Well, if Matt oh, wants yeah, to slice it, this into two episodes, let's just keep recording. And if Matt wants to slice this into two episodes, he's more than welcome to. All right. Okay, so this one is... We, we haven't done a show in a while, so I, have, I think if Matt wants to release these three days apart and do them in two episodes, it seems great to me. Sounds great. So should we do another welcome? Um, sure. Well, let's close out that episode, and then we'll do another welcome. Yeah, let's do that. Oh, okay. Do you like say something that like that'll do it for today or whatever? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you would like literally close the browser or close the no the stream yard. No. Like, what are you? What are we waiting for? Do the thing. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, that brings us to the close of this episode of Sweat and Bullets, a fantasy football podcast. Uh, tell the people where they can find you, Jacob. You can find me on Twitter, at Jacob Samson. Whoa, whoa, find... whoa, that's even the name. Like, I know you've been gone, but the name's been changed for a while. That's true. Um, oh, oh, you mean the name of Twitter. I'm so used to your handle jokes that I thought you were making another handle joke. No. But you can find me on X. I would you can never. Find me on X. <laughs> <laughs> That's the stupidest name. <laughs> oh my god, masterful oh, gambit, you can, Elon Musk. You can masterful. find me on X, and you you can find me on X no matter what because you you can't block anybody anymore. So even <laughs> if I don't want you to find me, you can find me. <laughs> I can't block you. Uh, great, great yeah. job, Elon. Where else can we find uh, you? Yeah, exactly. Like, you can, any other like companies with normal names? That we can find you on. Um, yeah, you can you can find me on Substack, uh, Jacob Sanderson. Substack.com. That's of course thinking about thinking. Uh, I have been working my way through my August column, which is the off-season edition of the Hitchhiker's Guide to Running Back. You can find 
full backfield breakdowns of now 12 teams. I think I have 10 more to go, and then I'm just doing the backups of the round one and round two picks. Um, but uh, yeah, we're sorting our way. We're almost through the running back. Well, we got through all the ambiguous backfields. Then we did the backfields with what I call fragile starters. Uh, and then we did a little special write up on the Patriots and the Jets after the Zeke and the Cook signing. Next up, we're doing an article on what I'm calling the uh, the new dead zone running backs of fantasy's information age. Um, so looking at five different running backs that I think capture some of the new ways people are playing fantasy football in different ways. Uh, so we're going to talk Najee Harris, Dr. Travis Etienne, and Dr. Ken Walker, J.K. Dobbins, and James Cook, and of course all their backups. Awesome. And I am, of course, DFB Encounter. You can follow me on X at DFB Encounter and on Patreon, uh, Bulletproof FF forward slash Patreon.com. And uh, that's pretty much it. Farewell. Until next time.